The Dakamas Project, Session 5, Reading and Personal Study Entering God's Rest Through Brokenness One stumbling block for people to submit to God's will is the question, why do bad things happen to good people? This is a very deep theological question. Understanding the answer requires a process of revelation from God and the Bible. As you gain a healed view of God and you grow in your knowledge of God's love and His heart of compassion, you will gain an understanding of how God operates and why His ways are higher than the ways of humans. Having stated the above, the forces that drive the events in the world are threefold. 1. The free will of humans. 2. The forces of evil. and 3. God's sovereign intervention. To know which factor is driving the events that you are facing currently is a mystery. We really don't know how much is due to the force of evil versus the free will of humans versus God's divine intervention. We know that all three of these are quite often at play at the same time, or maybe the event is driven entirely by one of these forces. We really don't know. But the one thing we do know is that we can view the opportunity to grow spiritually as if it were a challenge from heaven. You have a choice. Think about a difficult situation you are facing or have faced in the past. You can view it as an opportunity to step up into something that you would not step up into otherwise. God is your Redeemer, and He redeems everything. That means He can take the worst of situations and work it for your good. God wants to give you a spiritual blessing in the midst of your difficult situation. The trial is an opportunity for you to step up into something that you might otherwise resist. It's the stepping up versus the resisting that is your choice. In addition to resisting God's redemptive work, some people even quit. This is called stepping down. So it does not really matter what caused the event. What matters is how you respond to it. Will you step up into the opportunity for a spiritual blessing that God will give you even in the worst of circumstances? Will you resist it or step down? Even in the worst of situations, God can redeem, and does redeem, everything. What if it is not about you? What if it is about what God wants to flow through you to others? Will you cooperate with His agenda of redemption? Or will you resist His plan of redemption? It is that choice that is so important. You simply must have faith that God does redeem all things. You have to remember that God works through people. That means He may want to work through you in this difficult situation to bless others. And if that is true, He'll bless you as His mercy flows through you. You can view every circumstance as an opportunity to step up into something that God has for you. Ask Him this question, God, how do you want to express yourself to me in this situation? Does He want to be your comforter, provider, shelter, defender, lover, friend, or some other attribute of His character. Ask Him to open your eyes so that you can see the opportunity He has for you. Ask Him to open your ears to hear His redemptive purposes for you and through you. When you hear His still small voice, then you can surrender to His will and abide with Him. It is in this place of surrender and abiding with Him that His love and mercy can flow to you and through you to others. In this place with God, there is peace, hope, and love especially in the midst of difficult situations. Regardless of the cause of your difficult situation, God has a wonderful plan for your life. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. 
In order to submit fully to God's plan for your life, you must first be broken of the very qualities that you like most about yourself. Watchman Nee, in his book, The Breaking of the Outer Man and the Release of the Spirit, first edition, 1965, outlines the essence of being broken. He writes, Anyone who serves God will discover sooner or later that the great hindrance to his work is not others, but himself. He will discover that his outward man and his inward man are not in harmony, for both are tending toward opposite directions. He will also sense the inability of his outward man to submit to the Spirit's control, thus rendering him incapable of obeying God's highest commands. He will quickly detect that the greatest difficulty lies in his outward man, for it hinders him from using his spirit. Many of God's servants are not able to do even the most elementary works. Ordinarily, they should be enabled by the exercise of their spirit to know God's word, to discern the spiritual condition of another, to send forth God's messages under anointing, and to receive God's revelations. Yet due to the distractions of the outward man, their spirit does not seem to function properly. It is basically because their outward man has never been dealt with. For this reason, revival, zeal, pleading, and activity are but a waste of time. As we shall see, there is just one basic dealing which can enable man to be useful before God. Brokenness. He highlights the problem with the inner man and the outer man in terms that we would refer to as a struggle between the spirit, inner man, and soul, outer man. Watchman Nee refers to the body as the outermost man. Once we have been broken, then we are fully able to enjoy an undisturbed communion with God. This is because brokenness and surrender to God is the realization that, Oh God, your plans for me are far greater and wonderful than my plans for me. Even my best qualities are insufficient. I am nothing without you. It is in this place of brokenness and surrender that one can fully embrace and enter into the abiding presence of God without any need to perform or serve God. It is a place of simply resting in His loving arms. It is a place of undisturbed communion, regardless of difficult circumstances. Watchman Nee says, Some feel that to have God's presence, their environment must be free of such distractions as the clatter of dishes. The farther away they are from mankind, the better they will be able to sense the presence of God. What a mistake! The trouble lies not in the dishes, nor in other people, but in themselves. God is not going to deliver us from the dishes. He will deliver us from our responses. No matter how noisy it is outside, the inside does not need to respond. Since the Lord has broken our outward man, we simply react as if we had not heard. Praise the Lord, we may possess very keen hearing, but due to the work of grace in our lives, we are not at all influenced by the things pressing on our outward man. We can be before God on such occasions as much as when praying alone. Once the outward man is broken, one no longer needs to retreat Godward, for he is always in the presence of God. Not so with one whose outward man is still intact. When the outward man is broken, outside things will be kept outside and the inward man will live before God continuously. The trouble with many is that their outward man and inward man are joined together. So what influences the outward influences the inward. Through the merciful working of God, the outward man and inward man must be separated. Then what affects the outward will not be able to reach the inward. Though the outward man may be engaged in conversation, the inward man is fellowshipping with God. 
The outward may be burdened with listening to the clatter of dishes, yet the inward abides in God. One is able to carry on activities, to contact the world with the outer man. Nevertheless, the inner man remains unaffected because he still lives before God. We should be aware that brokenness is God's way in our lives. How sad that some still imagine that if they could only absorb more teaching, accumulate more preaching material, and assimilate more Bible exposition, they would be profitable to God. This is absolutely wrong. God's hand is upon you to break you, not according to your will, but His, not according to your thoughts, but His, not according to your decision, but His. Our difficulty is that as God withstands us, we blame others. We react like that prophet who, blind to God's hand, blamed the donkey for refusing to budge. Numbers 22, 21-34 In our day, God commits Himself to the Church, His people. His power and His work are in the Church. Just as in the Gospels, we find all God's work given to the Son. So today, God has entrusted all His works to the Church, His people, and will not act apart from it. From the day of Pentecost up to the present, God's work has been carried out through the Church. Think of the Church's tremendous responsibility. God's committal to the Church is like His committal previously to one man, Christ, without reservation or restriction. But the Church may restrict God's work or limit His manifestation. The basic teaching of the Gospels is the presence of God in one man, while that of the Epistles is God in the Church. May our eyes be opened to the glorious fact— God formerly dwelt in the man Jesus Christ, but now God is only in the church, not in any other thing. When this light dawns on us, we will spontaneously lift up our eyes to heaven, saying, O God, how much we have hindered Thee! Why is the discipline of the Holy Spirit so important? It is because God must have a way through us. Let no one think that we are only interested in individual spiritual experience. Our concern is God's way and His work. Is God free to work through our lives? Unless we are dealt with and broken through discipline, we shall restrict God. Without the breaking of the outward man, the church cannot be a channel for God. There is a common misconception that people believe the gospel because they have been either mentally convinced of the doctrinal correctness or emotionally stirred by its appeal. In actual fact, those who respond to the gospel for either of these two reasons do not last long, Intellect and emotion need to be reached, but these alone are insufficient. Mind may reach mind, and emotion may reach emotion, but salvation probes much deeper. Spirit must touch spirit. Only when the spirit of the preacher blossoms forth and shines do sinners fall down and capitulate to God. This is the proper spirit necessary in preaching the gospel. The Lord Jesus never restricted God in any way. For nearly 2,000 years, God has been working in the church towards the day when the church will no longer restrict Him. As Christ fully manifests God, so shall it be with the church. Step by step, God is instructing and dealing with His children. Again and again, we sense His hand upon us. So shall it be until that day when the church is indeed the full manifestation of God. To summarize, we have a choice. We can limit the flow of God's love and power through us by keeping our protective, soulish nature in charge. Or, we can be broken by the circumstances that God allows and release a full measure of His love and power to flow through us. We can let go of the need to be protective as we step in and step up to the knowledge that God is our protector. God has chosen to do His work on earth mainly through His people. 
He has invited us to do the work of Christ. What will be your response to this? Regardless of your response, God is love and He loves you. You do not need to perform to be loved by God. He is inviting you to join Him in the work of redemption. He loves you that much. He wants you to join with Him. Application Prayer Lord, I am sorry. I have delayed your work. I have hindered your life-giving mercy flowing to me and through me. I have blocked the spread of the gospel and the righteousness of your kingdom. I have limited your love and power flowing to those around me. I have thought that I knew what was best. Lord, you know what is best. Please forgive me. I commit myself afresh to you. Lord, I put my all on the altar so that you may have your way with me. Let your will be done in me. I choose to obey your Holy Spirit, your still small voice. I choose to hide your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Break me, Lord. Show me that even my best qualities are insufficient compared to your grace and mercy flowing through me. Strengthen my spirit. Break my soul of wanting its way. I will walk through the refiner's fire for you. Please do whatever is necessary to cleanse me of anything that is not of you. Teach me how to release your Holy Spirit through my spirit. Separate in me the thoughts that are from you and the thoughts from my soul. I only want your thoughts. I surrender my soul to your spirit, speaking to my spirit. You may test me in this and teach me your ways. Connect my spirit to yours so that I have a constant communion with you. I am yours. I love you and I love abiding in your presence. Give me a profound love for you. Give me a profound love for people. I am yours. I am yours. I am yours. Have your way with me. I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer, you are one of a growing number of people who have been broken by this life and the circumstances allowed by God. Here is how one person describes it. I was broken down through great pain in life. Through this pain, I decided to surrender my will to the Lord Jesus Christ. I was a Christian for a long time, but my will was not surrendered. It was not a one-time event. It took years, but now I feel that I am in Christ and He is in me. There is a unity of thought that never existed before. It has been amazing. I love abiding in constant communion with Christ. Am I perfect? Of course not. But I am being perfected by God's discipline, and He has given me a profound love for Him. He has even given me a profound love of people. I used to think people were annoying, but now I have compassion. I used to be a slave to fear and disappointment, but now I have hope and peace. Our experience parallels this testimony. Here is our prayer for you, that you would be broken before God and fully surrendered to His Holy Spirit. From this place of brokenness, His mercy and love flows effortlessly through. There is peace, joy, love, and hope. George Barna, in his book Maximum Faith, Live Like Jesus, points out that there is a pattern for being transformed. After studying thousands of people, he and his team have concluded that each person's journey is unique, but each person's journey seems to fit along ten stops of what Barna calls the transformational journey. Some people advance all the way through to the tenth stop, and others get stuck somewhere along the way. Some people jump quickly along several stops and then get stuck or even take a step or two backwards. Regardless of the progress, the following 10 stops are based on a rigorous six-year study by George Barna and his team. Distribution of Adults Along the Transformational Journey 
Transformational journey stop and estimated percentage of the U.S. population. This is the grid on page 65. Stop one, unaware of sin, about 1% of the U.S. population. Stop two, indifferent to sin, about 16% of the population. Stop three, worried about sin, 39%. Stop four, forgiven for sin, 9%. Stop five, forgiven and active in a faith community, 24% of the U.S. population. Stop six, holy discontentment with faith community, about 6%. Stop seven, brokenness, about 3%. Stop eight, surrender and submission to God, about 1%. Stop nine, a profound love of God, about half of a percent. And stop 10, a profound love of people, about half of a percent. What stands out in this research is that a very small percentage of people in the United States have been broken, surrendered, and are walking with a profound love of God and people. This is largely due to the misconceptions we have about God and His ways. We need to return to the truth. We need to repent and return to the Word of God and the Spirit of God working in us. We need to have renewed thinking. We need to let go of our entitlement thinking when it comes to striving for comforts and worldly security. We need to put God first in everything. We need to ask Him to take up residence in our heart, mind, will, and emotions. We need to return to our first love. With our permission, God inhabits our spirit and soul. It is only in this place of brokenness, surrender, and abiding that we can find true, fulfilling purpose for life and peace that surpasses understanding. Hebrews 4, 8-13 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the Word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. The Bible, the Word of God, is alive and active. God's Spirit works through the Bible. It is able to divide soul and spirit. What this means is that the Word of God is the tool that God uses to do surgery in you, just like separating joints and bone marrow. You need to know that your soul and your spirit think different things. Your soul is focused on one thing, self-protection. Your spirit desires to connect with God and other people in truth, light, and love. To walk in the Spirit of God, you must be in the Word of God. You must hide God's Word in your heart. The Word of God is powerful. It is alive and active. It will help you know the heart of God. Brokenness, surrender, obedience, and love are the hallmarks of a child of God who has entered God's rest. This is our prayer for you as you abide in the Spirit and Word of God. God reveals His ways to those who love Him and pursue Him. He loves to answer your questions. As you enter His rest, He will reveal portions of His magnificence to you little by little. His nature is so grand and expansive that He only reveals what you are ready to receive. Seek Him, and you will find Him. The highest and best form of friendship is being a friend of God. Application Exercise 
Where are you on the transformational journey? Which stop best describes your current place in your journey? Did you pray the application prayer above? If so, what happened? Write down your thoughts and experience in your journal. The following chapters of the Bible talk about transformation and kingdom living. We encourage you to read one or more of these chapters and look for key verses to apply to your life. Matthew 13, Mark 4, Luke 8, 2 Corinthians 4, Colossians 3, 1 John 3, 1 Peter 1, or James 1. It is common to struggle with the idea of brokenness and surrender to God. However, a broken and surrendered heart is necessary to connect with God in intimacy. The art of kintsukuri means to repair with gold or silver lacquer with the understanding that the piece is more beautiful for having been broken. It is a beautiful illustration of the beauty that comes from brokenness and allowing God to rebuild you and repair you into the vessel that He has called you to be. The gold that fills in the cracks of the broken vessel adds to the beauty of the bowl that was impossible to behold until it was broken and then restored. When you participate with God in the brokenness and restoration process, what a beautiful vessel of His love and grace you become. Use the following table to get you started thinking about what dies and what lives when you are broken and surrender all to Christ. What dies? Unworthiness. What lives? Identity in Christ, a royal child of God. What dies? Shame and guilt. What lives? Forgiveness and freedom. What dies? Strong desires for comfort and security. What lives? A sense of inner abundance regardless of circumstances. What dies? Pride of life. What lives? Pleasure within God's design. What dies? Discouragement and depression. What lives? Overflowing joy. What dies? Worldly anxiety. What lives? The Holy Spirit in me producing good fruit. What dies? Greed. What lives? A spirit of generosity. What dies? Sensual lusts and sins. What lives? Holiness and purity. What dies? Willfulness. What lives? Obedience to the Holy Spirit. What dies? Self-protection. What lives? The protection of God. What dies? Self-sufficiency. What lives? The gifts of the Spirit. What dies? My plan for my life. What lives? God's plan for my life. What dies? Looking for fulfillment from friends and lovers. And what lives? Abiding in the presence of God. Specifically, what is God calling you to let die in order for Him to live fully in you? Prayerfully write the answer to this question in your journal. Session 5, Wrap Up. Here Lori shared with you how to enter God's rest through brokenness. And this connection between being broken and entering God's rest really seems counterintuitive. But as you can hear from the content, this process is so vitally important to really become the person God has designed you to be and to shove off or slough off all the things that don't really belong in your life. Uh, the next step is to do the session six, group activities. Here you're going to do the four-minute fire drill and decision-making using kingdom principles. The four-minute fire drill is another one of the favorite activities uh, in the Docomoss project. Everyone just kind of really gets into that and has a lot of fun with it, and people are blessed uh, doing this activity. To find out more about the Docomoss project community and events, please visit docomossnetwork.org. The Docomoss Project Spiritual Gym Playbook Version 2 was written by Larry and Lori Hill, copyright 2016.